I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Hello, I'm Paul McNally. Welcome to Producing Podcasts. This is where we talk to the producers, journalists, technicians, musicians, and entrepreneurs who are creating podcasts around the world. Today, I'm joined by some very special guests. I'm going to get to them in a minute. But first, I just want to thank everyone for signing up to our newsletter. You can do this at alibipodcast.substack.com. Join me for my conversation with Gwinch Sarame and Freddie Mabisela. Freddie was the host on the first season of Alibi, and Gwinch has been the technical producer. He does the mixing, mastering, and some of the editing on season one and two. They both are fully dedicated to this project. They've put in so many hours and so much work, and it's a pleasure reconnecting with them and talking to them about the project. I'm down in Cape Town, and I'm dialing in to them in Johannesburg in the Voice of Vit studio. Okay, so how are you guys doing? Maybe we should start there. How are you doing? Yo, it, it's been insane. Uh, the lockdown has been insane. Um, I remember just surviving off uh, voiceovers for the longest time. Um, things were down. There was no other way of making income. And the other insane part was being locked in lockdown in Joburg um, and having to live in an apartment and this the space felt even smaller each day uh but as things are uh, relaxed you know things became better i would say okay and how about you Gwench? how have you been look i've been okay um a little bit better than freddie and and i speak out of um from a point of privilege really uh in the sense that economically you know i i wasn't disturbed much but i think mentally um that's where i was um hit hard um, you know, I think as with everyone, you know, it, it was really just a a a mind funk, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I mean, otherwise, you know, just going through therapy sessions here and there. I had a few sessions um, when the hot lockdown came through. I had a few sessions online, and then I continued with those sessions into 2021 and my last session was actually november 2021 yeah and i've been in a better space since and all this because of the lockdown and not being able to do the things that uh, one was used to being doing you know okay okay and you found that the therapy helped it helped because 
sometimes you want to vent mm. and you want to talk to someone, but mm. all your friends are going through the most. Yeah. So you can't necessarily call, you know, Freddy and like, you're Freddy. I'm just going through, you know, this, I need to vent because Freddy's going through the same thing. So <laughs> I needed to find, nice. you know, someone that wouldn't necessarily, you know, be in that space. So um, therapy that I got through, you know, the university worked out quite a lot because at least, you know, there was help that was offered. As I said, my last session was November 2021. So I've been uh, in a better space. Okay. Well, let's start there. Like the, at the university, let's start at the university. You work still for WITS, right? And can you tell me a little bit where you are? Because I'm in Cape Town, but where are you guys? So I still work for the radio station Voice of WITS. I still uh, produce for them um, audio-wise. And recently I got to um, upskill myself and um, work into uh, dealing with infrastructure now. And and you, Freddie, we met through VAL. We met through Voice of WITS. Yeah, I, I can remember you were still producing for The Science Inside. And, um, and that's where I met you, Paul, uh, through just having rapport develop uh, around the station. And eventually, he called me through to work on Alibi. And I'm sure people can hear from your very luxurious voice how it differs <laughs> from mine and Gwinch's. Uh, you say you've been doing voiceovers through the pandemic. What is your life like now in terms of voiceovers and, and being an actor and, and all the work that you do? Um, now I'm even just uh, working on other projects. I have an NPO. Uh, it's called the Lady of Peace Organization. And we've been uh, doing some dialogues on peace and uh, peace building, also inspired by the violence that ensued during the lockdown of looting. So in, in counter to that too, we've been uh, just doing some work uh, and visiting some communities to really push out the, the message of having uh, well-managed conflict because you know peace is not the absence of conflict so we just like hey let's talk better and let's sort things out a little better has been uh my work thus far paul oh that's fascinating so what you go into communities and do you give them supplies and things like that or you guide them through certain things yeah what, what, so what, what some, some communities would visit with supplies especially if we're visiting schools uh for children i uh, would bring either sanitary pads, and um, we would also do uniform supplies. But we also do like peace education and, and you know, talk about conflict resolution and, and started at that very young age to say, hey, uh, how do we address the subject of bullying? Um, how do you and your peers get along with one another? How do we learn to understand each other and learn to resolve conflict through dialogue and not uh, get into violence. Okay, that's fascinating. That's really cool. Let's talk a little bit about the production of Alibi. Um, it's been a, a few years now. Um, we had John on the podcast the other week, and he was very honest and very candid. How did you guys find it? Um, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And what can you sort of share about it? Freddie first, because yeah. he was there first. <laughs> <laughs> I think... What I found even more interesting post the production is just seeing how 
um, other people hasten to create uh, the, the, the content pieces, you know, for podcasting. So no one really thinks things through. And when it comes to soundscaping the podcast, uh, no one really puts as much effort as uh, we have shown in, 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 in putting together Alibi. And, and I, I sort of uh, commend that about what we uh, achieved there to say, you know, there was a bit of thought in every piece. There was thought in the music. There's the thought in, in the editing and, and how the room is formed. There's more thought and time that was put into the scripting. And having to listen to other podcasts, uh, you can then just pick up a rushed work. You know, like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, that's correct. Because it sounds more like radio packages that are just put <laughs> online. And you're like, this was rushed. This was probably had a deadline. It, it was for on-air tomorrow morning. Um, you know, it sounds more like an on-air product than a, a podcast which uh, suggests that one would sit down and like a book different from a video on TikTok, you'd sit down and actually plan each page, you know? Brilliant, thanks. You found me at a place where I was only, you know, not even producing, but piecing together 20, 30-minute podcasts that were just conversations that people recorded. And it's a, a, a thing of just putting it together, making it sound good in terms of level, and then publishing it. But now, you know, I'm then introduced to Alibi. And it's this... Uh, I I remember the green folder that you gave to me. I still have it, by the way. The mm -hmm. green folder with scripts of 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 all those episodes, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here, mm -hmm. right? Am I supposed to go through the script first? But I mean, look, I think when I then got pulled in, and um, I do remember our conversation that we had. You said, look. There was uh, pre-production that was done, you know, and um, you'd like to actually do more of 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 production of uh, re-recording um, and of uh, remastering of the whole series. And I do remember one of the things that I picked up. I'm not sure if I did make mention um, this to you, Paul, but I actually picked up your irritation by the number of studios <laughs> that we we used because you found that one studio was actually acoustically bad and the next studio was actually excellent, but we couldn't go back to it. So so obviously when you we were editing and we were mixing and mastering it, you know, I could pick up the frustration of, no, man, this sounds different. And, and also thinking of the microphones that we used, uh, which is something that you know you were very big and and I I I got to understood that at a later stage, and I think that you know the consistency that you wanted um, in the episodes is is something that I got to appreciate at a later stage though, and the later stage being I'm already mixing and I'm already mastering and I'm actually then picking these small and other things up to then say. Oh, no, man. This is exactly what Paul was actually talking about because I could also hear the difference. But, I mean, my experience with Alibi was just that, you know, started off, you know, being in the back seat and thinking, but how am I going to do this? And actually being taken, you know, by a hand, uh, by Paul, to then say, no, relax, we're going to do it episode by episode. And everything is already pissed together. It's just a, a case of let's uh, mix and master and make sure that everything, you know, is 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 consistent especially in terms of um how it sounds the bed i do have bed and i shared this with you actually <laughs> i shared Go this with yeah. you that 
there was a point where I actually dreamt of myself being in the studio, mixing and editing the episode. And and I think for for two, three weeks on end that we were working on on editing, I was just not having peaceful nights. Because when you're listening to something over and over yeah. again, yeah. like it ends up being part of you, right? Yeah, and true. it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so that was a bad, but the experience really of because at the same time, pretty remember, I meet Paul. He's working upstairs. I'm working downstairs. We've got our nine to five, mm-hmm. and we're meeting after work. Yeah. So we worked throughout yeah. the day, mm-hmm. and we still need to go back and sit yeah. for two, three, four hours. Yeah. Uh, and we also need to listen back to what we just did, uh, and the first season was just that listening back, but then. One thing that really I would appreciate, well, I, I I then appreciated at the end of, you know, mixing and mastering that session is, you know, the thought process. Mm. It's something that you spoke about, Freddie, the thought process that um, was put into um, the project and seeing how Paul would be able to, on his feet, you know, change things. You know, mm. like, but why are you changing this, Paul? <laughs> I'm done with this. And he's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. This has to change. And, and, Boy, we spent two, three hours. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we need to change. I'm like, oh no True. ways. No, no flipping ways. It's but also, look. It's also because of that consultative process yeah. that uh, Alibi had. You know, we we had other editors who would come and, and give um view. So in that essence, you understand that Paul was also not working as a as a lone horse. So he was able to gather more intel from other people and then get a better view yeah. and, and listen back and go, like, okay, now nah, I, I agree. This has to change or get an idea of what has to change uh, in each episode. And that's that's the quality um, that's, that's missing in a lot of podcasts. People don't want to do that consultative process, don't want to take their time to build the product. I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the the story side of it. Like, it's obviously very violent and, um, you know, quite upsetting parts of the story. And I think what happened to me was from re-listening to it again and again, I kind of became desensitized to that, right? So when some people talk to me about it, like, oh, that's so upsetting, like how that man was in jail or you know or the violence of the shooting you're like oh yeah i guess that is also part of that story <laughs> i mean what what uh, what did you guys think and did you have that same experience did you, you know, become desensitized to it what did you think about it when you first heard about the actual story when i first when i first encountered the script i i surely even came back to you and i said paul this is amazing because that's what i saw i was like this is an amazing story I still think of it that way. It's still my favorite story to tell. Like if someone asks me about alibi, I'm just like ready to swallow my spit and start talking. I'm like, all right. So (laughs) (laughs) like you haven't heard nothing. There's this guy called Anthony DeFries, you know, and uh, (laughs) the, the fact that it is true and it is truly a sad story. um, I get to see it also on, on, on the, on people's reactions to it as you tell them the story and you're like, yeah, you should definitely check it out. So this guy, yeah, yeah, he was, so this guy was really gone. He was in prison, but yeah, he was in prison. Oh no. And, and he only got parole later. Yeah. He only got parole later. You have to hear it out though. There's, there's a lot more 
uh, detail. You know, my media brain was just like, man, this is a good story. This has good folds. This has good turns. I, I, I first viewed it um, in that spirit. Okay, brilliant. Grinch, what did, did you have anything to say about that? Yeah, so I mean, uh, as I said, the first thing that you gave me was the folder with uh, scripts. And um, like any other non-movie watching person, mm. you sometimes go to the end <laughs> and then come back. And that's exactly what I did. I went to the last script, went through it very quickly, and when I realized that, A, there's light at the end of the tunnel, then I went back. But I think for me, that was one of those stories where it's it happened in my lifetime, where it's nothing that you are seeing or you are being told about from someone that's not in Africa even, you know, because a lot of these stories, I mean, we can even tell now. There's quite a lot of these stories happening overseas, but it's a story that happened in my backyard because Annadale is not far from where I am. And and it's a story that I was involved in in putting it together and and making sure that whoever will be listening to the story would 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 be able to go through the journey. And as I said, I started at the end and went back, but there were moments, you know, in the story where, you know, although I knew the ending. It was the weirdest thing. There were moments in the story where I thought, no, man, nothing is going to come out. Well, nothing good is going to come out of this because of the twists and turns, you know, having to realize that we didn't get full information, having to realize that Paul needed to go back and be like, but you lied to me, you know, why did you lie? And then only later on to then find out, no, it's, it was just, you know, information that was not given. The information was there. So it was really a roller coaster of a ride for me, but it was a fantastic story. Um, I cannot lie. And for it to be a true story, um, when I told my family about the project and we listened to it every Sunday, I saw in their eyes what I experienced when I was mixing it and mastering it in the studio. Brilliant. And we uh, won an award. I don't think we should forget that, right? <laughs> Look, we shouldn't. We we are uh, an award-winning team, um, <laughs> uh, national and uh, regional. Um, yeah. What was won. it like that 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 evening when we won? What 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 was it like, Freddie? What what was you? I mean, there's a wonderful photo of you yeah. that looks like you are fist pumping the universe. <laughs> um, what was it? What was it like for you when we uh, won that? That was a beautiful moment because I sort of said it from the beginning. I, I just had so much confidence in the story. I said, man, we're going to win an award for this. Um, and when it finally happened, you know, it 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 was so amazing. It it almost brought me to a tear. That's why I was fist bumping the, the universe. And I was like, yes, finally, I said it. It's a good story. It's been put well. Look, hey. Look, if ever I could win it again, <laughs> I could keep winning again and again because, you know, we we truly did uh, stumble upon gold there. The 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 whole production, the music really sets the mood, and I had missed for a while hearing radio that's produced like that. Having also grown up being someone who enjoyed listening to radio drama. 
I understood the soundscaping a bit more. And I was like, man, that's what I'm talking about, you know, taking that imagery to the next level to really give the images. I, I, I enjoyed that. And that's why I was so confident going to the awards. I got, I got nervous though, looking at the nominations that we were going against. Um, yeah, I had a shadow of doubt right at that moment. Before that, I was confident until yeah. <laughs> they mentioned the nominations. And and I said, whoa, wait, these nominees are quite uh, strong contenders. These yeah. are good stories too. Um, you know, maybe we don't have the ultimate story. <laughs> Grinch, what do you reckon? You got anything to add on that? Yeah, look, let me start here, Paul. Um, let me start by when you sent through in the group the regional award first. Yeah. Before the national, because that was the first um, our, uh, piece of award that we received for the project. Oh, yeah. And you sent it in the group. Number one, I wasn't even aware that, you know, we had entered for the Vodacop um, Journalist of the Year Award. And when you sent through the plaques yeah. that <laughs> we had won, I was like, no ways. Uh, I was shocked. Uh, simply because here's the thing, Paul. Throughout my schooling career, even now, the people that I look up to who are audio engineers are well into their 50s, Mm. right? They are well into their 50s. They've got vast of experience behind their name. They've got years and years of years of them doing what they do and me looking up to them. But here is a 22-year-old that's still looking up to someone uh, and he now is an award-winning, you know, upcoming audio engineer, right? Then we get the invitation to the national awards. Then it's a, oh, no, what's going on? (laughs) What's going on right now? And and I do remember this when the nominees were rolling, how they announced it. Um, It was something along the lines of the work that was done throughout the years to help free a man that's when uh, i think we all at that point in time um on the table yeah. realized that actually that was us yeah um yeah. because we're the only people that actually <laughs> someone oh, you know told the story about a man that was freed at the end of the day and it was years and years of work that you put in and hours and hours of the work that you know we had to also put in in the studio and lock and I mean uh one of the things that I forgot to mention is uh Paul and I used to leave the studio around midnight one AM. <laughs> uh and then we had to actually come back Yo. the following day for our nine to fives. Yeah. Um and and from that thing, um I then understood why we actually won the award because thinking back of the the whole process and the amount of work and time and dedication that Paul came with and I had to also quickly adjust to be on the same level. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Well thanks so much you guys. Um is there anything else? Any like final thoughts on the process or on, on the project in general? Freddie, any other final thoughts? It still haunts me, man. I still I still wish to produce something better. Um some people would tell me like <laughs> so what why haven't you put out a podcast? And I was like, man, I don't know. It's just it's just not it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, yeah, it, it's it's really left me with uh, somewhat a, a a performance anxiety when it comes to producing a podcast or or putting or putting my name on a podcast and saying this this is a podcast and 
this is what I produced. I'm yeah. like, if it's not on the same level, ah, I, yeah, yeah, I tend not to put my stamp on it. So I'm like, yeah, I might put my voice on it here and there, but guys, just don't worry. It's okay. How about you, Grinch? Look, you know, uh, not wanting to sound repetitive, but look, Paul, I, I must make mention of your storytelling ability and how even I was with you in studio when you were telling and narrating the story, it's something that, you know, I would rather sit and listen to the narration and I still have the picture without the supporting audio, but through narration. And I then come to understand that, you know, the writing process that you had to put in was something that, you know, is out of this world. And to this day, uh, those two plaques, by the way, are at home in the living room. And I make I made sure that when you come through the door, it's the first you thing that you them. see. <laughs> the first thing you see yes. when you come through my door. Exactly. Right? So right. so um I love the project. I'm I'm still in love with it. Um, you know, I still listen to it. As a matter of fact, I still go through the session because I still have the sessions. And you know, looking at the session and um thinking about the final product. I still get goosebumps. You know, one of the most beautiful things, honestly, that that also uh, pieced this whole project together, uh, Freddie mentioned it, I forgot, was the music mm. and how dedicated mm. John was in making sure that each scene, a scene change, yeah. a storyline, a piece of narration that Paul is doing has its own emotion. Mm. And he mm. did that with music and 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 me having to mix that in at that point goosebumps brilliant well thank you so much you guys i really appreciate your time today thank you Thanks. very much Paul. thank you very much for the invitation and uh, i hope that uh, we will be able to do more and more of the magic that we did awesome man paul always a pleasure catching up And that was my conversation with Gwynch and Freddie. This has been Producing Podcasts. I'm Paul McNally. Alibi Investigations makes this show. And if you'd like more info on what we do, and if you'd like to sign up to our free training that will teach you how to create an investigative podcast series of your own, then go to alibiinvestigations.com. I've been Paul McNally. See you next time. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found you. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.